Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Now, before you sit, would you welcome loud enough so that people on their boats can hear you, Pastor Todd Bishop to the stage. Come on up, Pastor Todd. Well, hello. No, stay standing. Stay standing for a second. Everybody stay standing. Man, what, what an honor to be here. How many of you are really thankful for Blaze Church? Like, I mean, you know, I've had the privilege to watch this church grow from a baby. When Pastors Keith and Amy first started leading this house. And where it is today is light years ahead of where it started from. And so the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. So I want you loud and proud to give it up for your pastors. Pastors Keith and Amy, come on now. Let them know you love them. I know Pastor Amy's working somewhere this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Now I believe this. I believe the Bible says those who preach and teach the gospel deserve double honor. Uh, If you ask for it yourself, that's not double honor, that's pride. But when somebody else comes in and says, recognize the gift to the church that you have, we ought to be able to celebrate that. So here's my advice to you. Give them a gift card. Send them out to dinner. Starbucks. Give them some kind of sports shaker drink. Anything you could do to let them know you love them. But more than that, be faithful to God's house. Because the greatest way that you can show honor to the spiritual leaders God has placed over you is by being consistent and faithful to the church God has placed you in. Because if you can't be faithful and consistent to the church God placed you in, ain't no gift card going to make them happy. But when you are honoring Jesus, your pastors are like, they're honoring us too. They're blessing us too. It's interesting, when Gideon was facing the great battle that most in church know about, where it started with 32,000, dwindled all the way down to 300, and he won a great battle over the Midianites. You know what the warriors shouted when they won? For the Lord and for Gideon. We cannot conflate or confuse the man or woman of God that God's placed over us so that we can honor them. It's not just for the Lord. It's also for the leaders God has placed over you. So one more time, give it up for your pastors. You can go ahead and be seated. Come on, I'm glad to be here. Man, what an honor to be here. My face ID is not working. Gotta love. Hey, online family, we love you guys. Come on, give it up for online family. Can we do that? You're one church meeting in two locations, and the second location happens to be at home. Pastor Sheets and Sister Pillows are not the same as Pastors Keith and Amy. I'm just saying. You ought to be in the house whenever the doors are open. Come on now. Now, I'm a talkback kind of guy, so you got to feed me a little bit because I'll preach a heck of a lot longer if you don't. Man, we're glad to be here. I'm here with my, my wife and two of my kids, my daughters. Mary, would you stand up? Just give everybody a little quick wave. You can do the, the pageant wave. My middle child, my favorite. No, I'm just kidding. They're all my favorite. Abigail, come on, turn up. Just wave everybody. This embarrasses her, so I love it. That's about all you're going to get from her. But we're glad to be here. It really is an honor for us because, as I said before, watching Pastors Keith and Amy walk this journey, and uh, we're just proud of them, and we really are. You guys are doing a stand-up job, so it's backyard church. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on, you got it. It's backyard church. 
You could be anywhere else on a Sunday morning, but you are here. So give yourselves a hand for showing up. Well, I want to share a message today called Interrupt the Ordinary. Interrupt the Ordinary. I think a lot of people have already fallen back into pre-pandemic patterns. God interrupted us 17 months ago. We changed Jesus. We need you, Jesus. And now 17 months later, it's like, yeah, I only need them when I need them. But I don't need them on a Sunday because I could jump right on my boat outside. I could stay home and I could watch online. Here's what I've learned. God has never called us to be comfortable. And yet the church has slid back in to comfortability. But not Blaze Church. Come on now. This is an uncomfortably comfortable church. That there are people that are radically devoted to Jesus in this place. Now, I'm a Pentecostal guy. Now, what does that mean? It means I'm filled with the Spirit so much that I'm going to scream until my spit hits the fourth row. But I believe that we need to be empowered by God's presence. The only way you're going to reach Riverhead and beyond is when this entire house is filled with the Spirit of God. When people walk in, marriages are restored. People that are sick are healed. Children that have run away from God start running back to God. That could happen at Blaze Church where you are burning new trails. See, this is not about being a normal church. Come on now. This is about being an abnormal church for an amazingly abnormal God. I mean, normal gods are all buried. The abnormal God that we serve was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. I mean, that's the God you're celebrating today. That's why you're in this place and this space. So what does it mean to interrupt the ordinary? It means to break or cut off or to change your perspective, to change your view. I learned this principle years ago from a friend of mine. A change of place plus a change of pace equals a change of perspective. 17 months ago, we had a change of pace and a change of place, and our perspective changed. But now... Everything's getting back to normal. Here's what I don't want to have happen to Blaze Church. I don't want Blaze Church to ever go back to normal. I want you to celebrate what God has done, but get ready because God's just getting started for what he's about to do at Blaze Church. And you've got to see it before you seize it. You've got to believe before you receive. You've got to have so much faith stored up within your heart that you see this place filled. You see this place filled not just once, not just twice, not just three times, not just four times. But imagine having five services because you're having backyard church. That you're taking your faith outside of Sundays. See, I believe if you want to develop a church that reaches into your neighbor's backyard, you've got to interrupt the ordinary. It can't just be normal. In other words, you can't roll back into those old habits, those old patterns, and those old ways. COVID taught us to remember something. Time is short, eternity is long, and souls matter. Time is short. Eternity is long and souls matter. Let me ask you a question today, Blaze Church online family. How much do souls matter to you? Or is your convenience more important? Is your comfort more important? Or is it literally like, man, time is short, eternity is long, souls matter so much that I'm willing to give up not just a Sunday, I'm willing to be there whenever our pastors need it, whenever our church needs it, because there is a world around here in Riverhead that needs this church. They need you not to be in the church, but to be the church. 
We've got to be able to tra- uh, blaze new trails in this community. Do you know most people live for an ordinary life? It's the average. It, COVID didn't really change people's mentality. It just changed their patterns. The mentality has stayed the same. Here's what we do. Go to school. Go to college. Get a job. Work every day. And for most of Americans, it's in a job they don't even like. Then we retire at 79,000 years old in Long Island. Come on now, because you can't afford to retire. And then we teach our children to do what? The same exact thing. The only thing is kids are getting smarter because they're all moving to Florida. Come on now. The cycle repeats in every generation, but throughout the Bible, you will see that God interrupted everyone's ordinary lives. Let me give you a few examples. Abraham was living an ordinary life in the Ur of Chaldeans when God interrupted him and called him to be the father of many nations. Moses was living the ordinary life of a sheep farmer when God interrupted him with the call to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Jonah was living an ordinary life preaching a comfortable message when God said it's time for you to preach a specific, pure, uncomfortable message, and he sent him to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Nehemiah was living an ordinary life as the king's cupbearer when God interrupted him and sent him on the mission of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Mary was living the ordinary life, preparing for a wedding on Long Island. My goodness! When God interrupted and said, you're not going to have a normal wedding. In fact... You're pregnant. Surprise. Like, can you imagine Mary going back to Joe and saying, hey, Joe, listen, I know we're engaged to be married, but I got knocked up by the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's be honest. How do you think Joe felt at that point? Joseph, do you think you really believe? No, the Bible says he didn't believe her at first. But then a Holy Ghost appeared to him in a dream and said, no, what's happening is right. And interrupted the ordinary I mean, Peter, an ordinary fisherman, when interrupted by an invitation to follow Jesus to become not just a fisher of fish, but a fisher of man. Paul, living the ordinary life of a Pharisee, when God interrupted him with the call to plant over 20 churches in his lifetime and preach the gospel. Without Paul, we would not have had two-thirds of the New Testament. It was the Apostle Paul. You and I were living ordinary lives before we met Jesus. Come on now. We were going through the cycle. We were going through the motions. We were being like the the White House picket fence kind of Long Islanders. And then the Holy Ghost shows up into our lives and introduces us to a person called Jesus. Our lives are now radically different than they once were. I remember when I was 17 and a half years old and I gave my life to Jesus. I've never been the same since. In fact, I used to party hard for the world. I party hard for Jesus. I have a lot more fun. The truth is when God changed Todd Bishop's life, he changed it not just short term, but long term. Now, 31 years later, 31 years of Jesus, and I am more passionate today than I was at 17 years old. Why? Because when God changes you and takes you out of the ordinary and gives you an extraordinary call, you can never, ever be the same. Blaze Church, you should never, ever be the same. When you walk into this house on a Sunday, you ought to leave totally different. It shouldn't just be why I got my hour of power. 
And then I go to my week of week, W-E-E-K into W-E-A-K. We start with the hour of power, and then most people go right back to ordinary. I want God to interrupt your ordinary, because I know God has interrupted the ordinary in your pastors. Let me ask you a question. Where do you need a divine interruption? Where do you need God to interrupt you? Or have you already fallen back into patterns that you know are not of God? I mean, here's what I know. God's interruptions often create God-sized opportunities. God's interruptions often create God-sized opportunities. You are not designed to be ordinary. Come on, say that loud and proud. I am not designed to be ordinary. Come on, I am not designed to be ordinary. You are not ordinary. This is not a normal church. Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. This is not a normal church. If you walked in thinking this is normal, this is anything but normal. This is an amazing opportunity for us to reflect the goodness and favor of God. Just look around the room. People from different places and spaces. Come on now. Different backgrounds, different ethnicities, all gathering at one place to say, hey, we are here to lift up the name of Jesus. This is not a normal church. Scripture says this, you can make your plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make your plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I want you to catch something that you may never catch in reading this verse. Notice what it says. You can make your plans plural, but the Lord's purpose singular will prevail. I think the world is filled with people who make a ton of plans, but it has no purpose. What the writer is saying is saying, hey, guess what? You have to understand this. You can have all the plans in the world. You can have your educational plans. You can have your health plans. You can have your occupational plans. But what you need more than anything is the purpose of God. And that will always prevail in the life of everyone's in a hot pursuit of God. So you've got to make sure that you're pursuing the right thing. Blaze Church, stop running after your plans. Start pursuing God's purpose. And my prayer for today is simple, that God would interrupt the ordinary so much in this church that it would be more than a Sunday morning church, but it would be a backyard church. It would be an office church. It'd be a grocery store church. It would be a church wherever you put your foot, the church just walked in. That's what God's designed for each one of you. And that's what I believe you first have to understand. You are not designed to be average. You are not designed to be average. How many of you are married? Let me see your hand real quick. All right, there's all married people. How many of you are married an average-looking person? Oh, nobody raised their hand on that one. Why? Because no one settles for average. You imagine coming home, saying, hey, baby, you're just average. You wouldn't have a home to go to very long, would you? Is that not true? You imagine coming into church, I just want average faith. I want to serve an average God. I just want to have enough to get out of hell and get into heaven. I don't want that kind of thing. I'm glad that I married an above average lady. And I'm glad I have faith in an above average God. That's the truth of it. And I think sometimes we like just settle for average. See, there's nothing average about you because there's nothing average about your God. Your God is incredible and so what you have to understand in walking into a church like this is the reason why there's passionate worship 
The reason why people will come in for hours before you get here is because this is not an average church. They want you to experience an above average message because too many people go through life believing, eh, whatever will be, will be. We'll just see what happens. I don't wake up each day and let someone else control my destiny. Well, let's just see what happens. Today. No, God makes, I make my plans, but God's purpose will always prevail. God has a purpose. That's why we've got to pursue that. And his purpose is not average. There's not one person in the Bible that you will find that God took them from above average to below average. He took them from below average to above average. But yet the church in America today settles for average. Average faith, average tithing, average income, average honor, when we should be above all that. That's why this church mission, when it comes to giving, is radical generosity. The word radical comes from the root word radic, which means to get back to the basics. In other words, it's basic generosity. Those who are generous will be blessed. How many want to be blessed? Then you better not be an average giver. That was free, Pastor. People chase ordinary dreams. They live life with ordinary thinking. They want ordinary jobs, ordinary marriages, and ordinary kids. You are anything but ordinary. See, when we had our kids, we did not name them cute names. We named them names that signified destiny and purpose. Malachi, God's messenger. Abigail, joy of a father's heart. Two daddies, the father in heaven and your daddy here on earth. Bethany, house of praise. We named our kids with purpose and destiny. And we declare every day over our kids, Luke 2.52, may they grow in wisdom and stature, finding favor with God and man. Our kids are not normal kids. Why? They're raised by two abnormally crazy, Jesus-loving, devil-stomping, fire-breathing, wild kind of believers in Jesus. So our kids should not end up like every other kid on the planet. Our kids should be set apart and different. God, may they be your voice to their generation. We're not raising our kids to just sit in church. We're raising our kids to lead the church. Come on now. That's got to be our commitment as believers in Jesus. Because here's what I know. Your destiny is not ordinary. You are God's priceless treasure. Your family is not ordinary. Because you and your house will serve the Lord. Your finances are not ordinary. Here's the verse. All nations will call you blessed. How many want to live that promise of the prophet Isaiah? All nations will call you blessed. Your health is not ordinary. Yeah, but I don't feel good. Well, Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his stripes, you are healed. Your home is not ordinary because God's presence is in your home. And your church is not normal because where two or three gather, he is here in the middle of us. Come on, Blaze Church. God is here. He's in this place. See, who are you? You are built by God with all the power of heaven. You are anything but average. You are the champion over sickness. You are the victor over broken relationships. You are the winner over sin. Who are you, church? You are God's child. You are not average. If you want to be average, don't tell people about your Jesus. Because they're going to say, wow, they just, they just, they barely go to church. The average American goes to church once every four, four weeks. Now, post-COVID, they're saying once every six weeks. If I can't give Jesus my Sundays, why would I want heaven? Because it's 24-7, 365 Sundays. Was that too harsh? 
Let me just say that I love you. Let me, let me do this. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Man? I also know if you want to have backyard church, you've got to learn to survive the critics. If you're going to live life interrupted, you're, you're going to attempt great things from God for God, you're going to be here on Sunday and your family's going to be, why are you going to church three hours early to set up? If you're going to do great things for God, you're going to always have critics. People are always going to criticize you, but I remember Zeuxis said this one time back in the day. I didn't see it personally. But he said this, it's easier to criticize than to craft. Everyone's a critic today. And social media has empowered bozos. People have no knowledge, no information, no education on topics, but yet they're experts in everything. Do you know what it takes to be an expert in any field, according to studies? 10,000 hours in that field. Think of an average sermon on a Sunday is about 30 minutes. That would equal 20,000 sermons to be an expert in preaching. That's a lot of preaching. I'm not even there yet. So when someone comes up and criticizes me after a Sunday service, has not preached one sermon, you know, I'm like, <laughs> thank you. And then I move on. Because for every critic, there's 10 celebrators. There's 10 people are saying, keep going, Pastor. But you know who your pastors remember? The one person that sent the email. We have an email address at our church. It's called IDC at mychurchunleashed.tv. It means I don't care. And so if there's criticism, take it to IDC at mychurchunleashed.tv. And I think you should start one here. IDC at blazechurch.org. Come on now. Because there's a point where we got to trust the man or woman of God that God's placed over us. you got to survive the critics. People are always going to criticize. Here's what you got to do with critics in life. How many have ever been criticized by somebody? Just raise your hand. Just could be for any, every one of us, right? Here's my advice. Outlast them. Because at some point, the reason, you have to understand, the reason why they're criticizing you is because they're jealous of you. They want what you have, so they're going to try and demean you and belittle you so they feel better about themselves. Sometimes you just got to laugh off the criticism. I do it all the time. In fact, I'll, I'll give you an insider pastor secret. You ready for this? We laugh at people in our church. You're not laughing. Just the pastors laughed on that one. <laughs> yes, we do. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you hey, did, do you know what so-and-so said? To me? You're not going to believe what so-and-so said to me. I'll tell you a funny story. I had some lady come up to me. Oh, man, it must have been a couple months ago. What did she say? What was that expression she said to me? She was like, it was basically like calling me smoking hot, but didn't say smoking hot. I was like, well, that's weird. Like, who says it? It was like, you're sweet. You're, I don't remember what the exact phrase was, but I was like, that was really awkward. You know what we did as a staff? We laughed about it. Sometimes you just have to laugh about certain things to realize, well, it's, it's no big deal. I mean, pull a T-Swift and shake it off. Sometimes you just got to let things go. Let it go. What does the Bible say? The Bible says it this way, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Some of us need to get intoxicated on joy again. Some of us need to smile again. Because if you can't be happy, why would the world want what you have? You'd be no different than them. What? Hey, Jesus is going to change your life. I'd like you, can you tell your face that you're changed? You look miserable. Hey, Jesus, greatest thing that ever happened to me. Hey, would you like to come to church with me? Why would I go to church with you? 
I want to go to church with a person that's passionate about it. Hey, hi, my name's Todd, and I go to Blaze Church in Riverhead. We meet at the Moose Lodge right now. It is awesome. You would love to be there. Why? Jesus changed my life there. Hey, would you like to come to church? You know, it's in the basement. We have curtains around. Boy, different, same. Which church are you going to? I'm going to one in person. Like, this is the best thing on the planet. I don't know, survive the critics. There's always going to be people to criticize you. Jesus, he was put down because he did not have the right education. Think about this. In John 8, his critics even went after his birth, calling his birth illegitimate. So if Jesus could endure criticism, as our great example, then we ought to endure it well because God wants to interrupt your life with an extraordinary purpose. Don't give in to the critics. Keep shining. And you know one of the greatest critics, where some of the greatest criticism comes from? Family. I'm not even going to go there. Just pastor will preach on that in a few weeks. I also believe this. If you want to be a church that's in the backyard of every person's home in your community, you've got to evict the negative thoughts. You've got to evict the negative thoughts. If you go around life contaminated by negative thoughts, here's the progress. You'll be deflated. Frustrated, negated, conflated, unmated, misstated, inflated, outdated, and eventually the church will become castrated. That's why we cannot have negativity running through our churches. We don't tolerate it at Church Unleashed, negativity. What we say is we don't like negativity. Can you say that? We don't like negativity. And I say it like you mean it. Come on, 9 o'clock. We don't like negativity. Why? Because negativity is a drain on your soul. If a cheerful heart is good medicine, negativity becomes a negative drug. It weighs you down. It may make you feel good for the moment, but it won't last the lifetime of what people need to see in your life. The psalmist wrote this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Focus on those three words, anything in me. What resides on the inside of your life? It's thoughts and attitudes. Thoughts and attitudes. It's the invisible thing that directs the visible life. Thoughts and attitudes no one can see, but it manifests itself in the way you speak, the things you talk about, the places you go, the things you watch. See, God wants to point out the thoughts and attitudes that contaminate our lives. Because if it contaminates your life, it'll contaminate the backyard of others' lives. We've got to make sure that we evict the wrong thoughts from our minds because everything starts with a thought. And that thought becomes an attitude, and the attitude eventually becomes an action. What thoughts do you have that are negative? Big question, isn't it? Because I'll be honest, I wrestle with negativity all the time. I could focus on the negative. Where's all my half-empty glass people? I'm one of those. Ha empty glass? Nobody? You're all half-full? Man, you guys are positive. <laughs> Me, I, I'm designed to analyze. Analyze every detail. Your pastor, very, you analyze everything because we want to make it better and better and better. But you can analyze till you're paralyzed. We've got to be so cautious that we don't stop and enjoy what God's doing in the moment we're in. Because we can easily say, well, this could have, man, the projectors ain't working, or this ain't, ha who cares? Is God here? 
Has God showed up? Did you give him your Sunday morning? Did you honor him by being in God's house? Did you worship for a few minutes this morning? Are you being fed the word? Are you grateful for your church that is here every single week? Then you can take the lights, you can take the projector, but if you don't have Jesus, you're just in a show. But because Jesus is here, you don't need any of that. That's the power of community and connectivity. What attitude have you been battling that's contaminated your marriage? What attitudes contaminated your family, your friendships, maybe even this church? The reality is God has called all of us to be the church, not just when we're at the church, but wherever we go. And that's why my final thought today is live so close to Jesus that others want to live there too. Live so close to Jesus that others want to live there too. Is there anyone today that wants to live so close to Jesus that others want to move in? That people are like, man, there is something different about Keith and Amy. There's something different about Mike. There's something different about Barbara. There's something different. What can you please tell me what is different about you? See, the closer you get to Jesus, the less you have to open your mouth to people. They will start opening their mouth to you. They will start saying, why are you so happy? I mean, Christians are the worst tippers in America. Do you know that? All studies concluded that. Me, I like to over tip. There are times where I will literally write a $75 or $100 tip. I did that at a, a, what is it, Prado 365 near us. I wrote a $100 extra tip when I was out with some pastors. The girl started weeping. She said, you had no idea how much I needed this this week. You never know. Even the radical gift of generosity can minister to somebody. Live so close to Jesus that when he speaks, you do. Not, well, I can't afford that, 100 bucks. That, that person doesn't deserve that. I don't know what they're like. I need to ask questions if I'm going to give that kind of money. You don't have to ask any questions. You just need to be obedient. And say, God, I want to live so close to you that when you speak, I'm going to open my mouth. When you tell me, I am going to do. I think most Christians today, we love to obsess over things we can't control instead of obeying the things he's told us to do. We get so obsessive when it should be all about a life of obedience. I want this house to exceed its expectations. I want you to blaze trails in this area. Make Jesus a priority every single day. Live so close to Jesus that everybody else wants to get close to you as well because it gets close to him. See, the closer you get to Jesus, the less ordinary or average or normal you become. So how do you live close to Jesus? Four real quick bullets. Number one, work the word. Work the word because the word works for those who work the word. But if you ain't working the word, don't expect the word to work for you. Everybody track with me on that? Work the word. Every day, get up and say, God, just give me one thing. You can read one verse, one chapter, or an entire book. It doesn't matter how long you're in it. You could be in it all day and not live it. I'd rather see one person read a verse and that verse transforms their day. Work the word. When you read the word, it's really not that you're reading the word. The word is reading you. The Bible says it reveals the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So work the word. Number two, you got to talk to God. Every day have a conversation with God. How do we do that? You could do it through simple meditation, sitting there listening. You could do it through prayer out loud. You could do it by kneeling at your bed. You could do what I do almost every day, journaling, writing prayers to God. Why do I write it down? Because what's not written down is quickly forgotten. 
And I can look back years and years ago and see miracles that I would have forgotten I even prayed unless I wrote it down. Talk to God every day. Number three, raise your praise. Raise your praise. When people walk into Blaze Church, it's the most happening place in the entire east side of Long Island. Is that about east side? Can we say that? To a deluxe apartment in the sky. I'm moving on. Okay, thank you. One, thank you. I mean, you think about that. This place should be so enamored with excitement that when people walk in, it's not like, our praise should be like, man, I get to worship God today. I don't have to worship God. I get to worship God. Because when guests walk in, when people first time walk in, they're already like, what is going on here? We had to demonstrate because if we raise our praise like this, Everyone who comes after us is going to praise the same way we praise. <laughs> but if all of a sudden you, people start walking in and they see this, this excitement, this passion that's not just on the platform, but it's in the last row. You know, people say, man, these people are really excited about this. Like, what are these people smoking? I don't know what it is, but I want to smoke some too. I mean, that, it's true. You got to raise your praise to a new level. I also think, finally, you got to be in church. Online family. I love the online opportunity when we're away on vacation or when we're sick. I love redeeming technology. But our redeeming of technology has become an excuse for gathering as the church. Be in the building. If you're not out of town, you should be in church. Why? Because if we can't make it a priority on Sunday, how much are we really going to encourage people to come? Hey, I want to invite you to come to my church this weekend. Oh, I, I could come this, or I want to invite you to church. Well, I can come this way. Nah, you know, I'm going on the boat this weekend. You know what you just said to them? Church isn't the priority. I'll tell you a story about my life, and I'm not prescribing this, just describing this. When I was growing up, I played football, and my mother, uh, Pop Warner football, my mother would not let us play football on Sundays. She forbid us. Any Sunday games, I could not participate in. I was ticked as a kid. <laughs> now I look back and say, thanks, Mom. Because what you showed me is Sunday is still the Lord's Day. How many times do we break covenant with one of the Ten Commandments? Because we got to do everything else. We got to get everywhere else. Live so close to Jesus that others want to live there too. Blaze Church gets so close to Him that people invite themselves over to your house for a barbecue. Because you're so, I, I just got to get to know you. I got to hang with you. See, when you get close to Jesus, people will want to get close to you. And when they get close to you, they will discover four things you're not average, you survived the critics, you evicted negative thoughts, and you're so close to Jesus that you still want more. And they will want that life too for themselves. And that, my friend, is Backyard Church. I want to tell you a story as we finish. Um, I love putting stickers on my Bible, as you can see, because they remind me of things, places, uh, spaces, environments I've been in. But I want to talk about how Backyard Church, how living a life for Jesus will cause you to do uncomfortable things. Um, 
About a year and a half ago, we had a young man that was at Long Island University who was tragically murdered uh, when he went back home. He was a quarterback at a football team. His name was Clay Bethard. Um, rewind, I was, uh, we were hosting an event at our church um, called Night to Shine, which is a, a prom for special needs. And so we're hosting our church, and we had a bunch of the football players from a local university uh, volunteer. Started a relationship, friendship with most of them, but one of them really stood out, Tim Marnin. Tim Marnin ends up, um, I met with him when I went to Florida on vacation. We just met up really quick. He says, Pastor, I want to make a difference my senior year. He's a new believer. I want to make a difference my senior year. I said, start a Bible study with the football team. He's like, great, when can you do it? I'm like, when can I do it? I'm like, it's your job. You do it. And he said, the best time for us is Sundays at 3 o'clock. I'm like, wait, I got to preach four services and then go do a Bible study? 3 o'clock in the afternoon? I literally was like, man, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I would do it routinely every weekend after preaching at our church. I'd hop in a car, drive, get home 6, 7 o'clock at night, sometimes later, depending on conversations inconvenient very much so I remember October 13th I gave an invitation for the seven student athletes in that room to receive Christ 2019 yeah 2019 five students gave their student athletes gave their life to the Lord it's one of our first early Bible studies it's so one of the first times I really felt, wait, I'm just doing a Bible study. I need to make sure they're right with Jesus. Five, the last one to give their life to the Lord was this student athlete quarterback called Clay Bethard. Two and a half months later, Clay was murdered. I remember getting a call from his dad, Casey, who's a country songwriter, and uh, uh, calls me on Christmas morning. Pastor, I need to speak with you. Say, hey, we're opening up gifts. Can I call you back after? He says, absolutely. I call him back. We had a 45-minute conversation. We wept together. We laughed together. He asked me one question. Pastor, tell me, did my son know Jesus? I said, Casey, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, October 13th, 2019, he raised his head and reconfirmed his life to Jesus Christ. Imagine if I chose convenience. Imagine if I said, Tim, you handle it. I've led almost 30 football players to the Lord in the last year and a half. We now have almost 70 student athletes in our Bible studies. I mean, what would have happened if I said, well, I'm just going to be church in the church. I'm just going to be the pastor at the church. No, I'm living this, what I'm telling you you got to do. That we've got to put ourselves sometimes in uncomfortable situations to reach people that are far from God. That's the whole point of Backyard Church. So here's my challenge today, Blaze Church. Are you willing to get uncomfortable? Are you willing to reach those who are far from God before their life is taken from them? Because I know when I shared at that funeral for Clay Bethard, I know, and I said publicly, when Clay breathed his last breath on planet Earth, it was his first breath in eternity. Why was I able to make that declaration? Because I was willing to do church in an environment where nobody wanted church. In fact, the school didn't even know we were there. We were doing Bible studies before, and then when it, became, it all of a sudden became an issue. 
Now think about this. We were on a secular university leading students to Jesus without permission. Now I look back and say, man, God, look what you did. Because I didn't just go to church. I chose to be the church. And if a pastor has to do that, don't we all? Would you close your eyes as we pray this morning? If you're watching online, stay tuned in, dialed in for the next two minutes. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe, just maybe, you thought you were in a relationship with the Father. You stumbled into this service today, and you're thinking, man, I'm not in that right relationship with God. Holy Spirit's been tapping at your shoulder the entire service. You didn't know what it was, but it's him saying, hey, buddy, let me get your attention. You say, Todd, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. How do you know that? Here's a simple litmus test. If you can't answer this question affirmatively, I can give you the cure for it. If I were to die right now, right in this moment, would I open my eyes in heaven? If you can't, we can guarantee you can if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I don't have that relationship with Jesus, but I want one before I leave this room. I want to be convinced, guaranteed, fully. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand right now. Oh, I've been in church my whole life. Going to church doesn't save you no more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. You need a relationship with Jesus that's living and active. It leads your life. You may have walked in thinking you were serving Jesus, but you realize I haven't really been serving him. I've just been serving my church. It's about serving the Lord. On the count of three, I want you to put your hand up really high. No one looking around. Honor each other. Respect each other. One, two, three. You need a relationship with Jesus. Put it up right now. Put it up. Yep. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say that to me. Yeah, you can put those hands down. Thank you guys for your honesty. Would you simply say this prayer with me if you raised your hand? And can we join those who are making this declaration? Maybe for the very first time. Would you say this after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins to be my Lord and my Savior. Today, it's not just in the church. I'm bringing you to my backyard. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate those who made that decision today, maybe for the very first time? Would you all stand to your feet? I just want to say a quick prayer over you. I want to pray and believe that this church, our name is Church Unleashed. I believe that God's going to unleash a fire in this house. That Riverhead will never be the same because of this church. If you believe that, would you stretch your hands to heaven right now? Come on. If you really believe God wants to blaze a new trail through this church. Father God, I pray right now over Blaze Church. God, I thank you for incredible leaders in this house. Pastors Keith and Amy, that you have anointed and appointed. But it's not just them you've anointed and appointed. It is every person in this church. Every person that calls Blaze Church their home. Father God, I pray right now that the fire of the Holy Spirit would sweep through every single person. Their lives would be radically transformed so much that church is not just in the church. Church is in the backyard. It's at the bank. It's at the grocery store. Wherever this house goes, I pray it would recognize that they are the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a big old shout of praise today. Amen.